Welcome to the Litigation Psychology Podcast video version. Again, we have Dr. George Speckart with us. George, I've been getting worn out with emails and phone calls. Well, actually, I've been getting worn out in two ways. Number one, I'm getting emails from every company under the sun telling me how my safety and my health is their top priority. Have you, have you been getting any of these? <laughs> no, they don't care if I die. <laughs> um, that's a whole other podcast. Uh, but the, the secondary group of calls and emails I'm getting is from attorneys saying, uh, how is COVID-19, the coronavirus, going to impact your decision-making going forward? How's it going to uh, uh, impact the court system? Let's talk a little bit about that because I know that you have some theories how do you think, I mean, based on your 30 plus years of experience of, of studying jury decision making, how do you, and you think you've got, you know, you got your 9-11, you got your 2008 economic, you, you've got some other things to compare to. How do you think COVID-19 impacts jury decision making, if at all? Well, first of all, I think COVID-19 is worse than any of the other black swan events that you mentioned because it's something that go, dredges on day after day and bringing with it a, a personal terror yeah. that either I'm going to get it or my kids or my, my mother or whatever. And it's, you know, you're constantly wondering if, if I touch this, do I need to wash my hands and I can't touch my face now and I can't, let anyone, you know, going to the, just going to the market and getting food could be deadly. You all, everybody knows the issues here. So I don't need to spend time on that. But um, the real issue for me is what will this do to juror behavior? Yeah. In order to answer that, of course, we'd like to answer it scientifically, but in order to answer it scientifically, one would have to take a matched set of uh, circumstances for one case and then uh, an identical case before and after COVID-19 and compare the results. And of course you can't do that. You couldn't design research to actually give you an unequivocal answer for something. It's, it's, it's going to have to be observation and anecdotal work and analytical theorizing. Yeah. So here's what we have on our end. Um, prior, long prior to all of this, we had published a paper called Identifying the Plaintiff Jury. It was in For the Defense in 1999. And in it, through a decades of psychological measurement and similar types of analyses of juror profiling, we came to the conclusion that there is, in fact, what we call a universal plaintiff juror. In other words, a set of temperament characteristics or traits that are personality constructs or personality dimensions that identify a person who is receptive to the notion of a complaint. So these are the people that resonate with the idea of being a plaintiff. Yeah. And they have these following characteristics as far as personality traits or stable temperament characteristics. In other words, this is how they are all the time. Vulnerability, cynicism, instability, arousability and depression. Now, by the way, cynicism is not the same as skepticism. Skepticism means I'm not going to believe it until you show me. That's a defense juror. Skepticism is actually a positive thing for, yeah. been there, right? 
Yeah, skepticism is good if you're a defense. Cynicism is a stable, um, generalized tendency to see the world as inherently sinister, prevalent, or, or um, um, predatory. They're out to get us. Sinister, predatory, or malevolent, I should have said. Yeah, okay. So those are traits. Now, in psychology, we have a distinction between what we call trait and state emotional conditions. Trait is how you are all the time. That's your personality. State yes. is temporary as a result of external stressors or vectors that come from the environment. Events cause state conditions. So what we're talking about here is that the COVID-19 phenomenon is a unique and potent stressor that creates state conditions that are very much along the lines of these identifiers of the universal plaintiff juror. They create feelings of vulnerability, feelings of cynicism, instability, arousability, depression. All of these things that identify the universal plaintiff juror from a trait perspective are being created in a state uh, event, in other words, emotional state as a result of the stressors created by COVID-19. What that all means is that plaintiff jurors, bad jurors are going to become worse <laughs> Great. and medium jurors are going to become bad Wonderful. as a result of these stressors. Well, I'm sure that's the message everybody wanted to hear on this podcast. <laughs> well, what has gotten better, you know, I mean, um, yeah, I guess we have more time for reading and meditating and listening to music, but, you know, the silver linings. But if you look around, listen to the news, just about everything's falling apart right now. And, you know, why should things with jurors get any better, right? Yeah. Well, um, what, what do you There's see? more. There's more. Yeah. I mean, it's um, this is an issue that's not going to go away anytime soon. And how do you see? Because, I mean, I, I talked to a, an attorney yesterday in California and he's like, if you file a lawsuit, you, you're not going to have a trial in the next three to five years. It, I mean, um, and, and, and maybe that's going to be different from region. Do you see maybe a difference in regions? Because, I mean, you know, if you have a trial in Lincoln, Nebraska, that's a little different than having a trial in uh, Manhattan or Los Angeles. Do you see maybe um, things opening up very differently across ge geography? I don't see the regional differences that we're all familiar with in the litigation arena. I don't see those types of distinctions having any kind of qualitative changes as a result of COVID-19. The same differences uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska versus Manhattan are going to be there, except that every, everybody, as a general rule, will just will just overall get worse. Um, now, the, there's more to it than this, because um, one of the things that is pointed to quite frequently in the context of the nuclear verdict is jurors being just kind of fed up. Yeah. Um, and that's what's giving rise to these huge, you know, $100 million verdicts, is that jurors are just reading things in the newspaper, not the newspaper, of course, but more media online that sort of thing, and just getting fed up with the news and what people are doing. And now we're adding to all of this uh, 
large corporations and millionaires or even billionaires kind of muscling in on this relief money and taking it away from the small businesses that really need it. And those kinds of stories, just adding more fuel to the fire of this whole syndrome of being fed up with how things are being run. And of course, our country perhaps not doing as, as well as others like Germany and Australia in terms of managing this crisis could be creating more anger there too, you know. We just, I just heard on the news today, of course, you, you cannot go and get tested if you want to, but, um, you know, uh, Trump and his people get tested uh, every every other day. Yeah. So, you know, there's like, you know, some people, the important people get to get to have testing, but we don't, you know. Just new, myriad things that people could latch on to to fuel their resentments. It's just another reason for why things might be getting worse. Now, we've talked previously about the whole concept of the the juror that's punitive in nature that wants to punish versus the concept of wealth redistribution. Can you maybe talk a little bit about uh, the differences there between jurors that authentically want to punish a company versus maybe the ones that just say, hey, this company's got plenty of money. Let's, <laughs> let's spread the wealth. I think those are highly correlated constructs that you probably couldn't differentiate them if you wanted to try to separate them. In other words, in, in, uh, in psychological measurement, we have um, a, a term called uh, divergent validity. In other words, do two constructs identify different things enough so that they would qualify as being separate, and distinct ideas? And I'm not sure those would. I don't think they would. Do you I think th those are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Do you think going forward here, because um, I've I've talked to many of defense counsel um, and try to answer their questions the best I can, but going forward, particularly in in, in the area of uh, voir dire and jury selection, I, I I don't think what defense counsels maybe been doing for the last ten years. Uh, is going to work anymore. What are some of the maybe new questions they're going to have to ask related to COVID-19 to tap into some of these experiences and emotions that they never had to ask before, but they better start asking these questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things you always want to do is ask about any um, what so sociologists call life events. And in, in the literature, life events refer to things like medical problems, financial problems, legal problems, um, all of those kinds of things that happen to people, you know, losing your home, losing a, a loved one, um, losing a job. These are, these are what sociologists call life events. So what will have to happen going forward in voir dire is that um, attorneys will have to probe to find out what kinds of life events have arisen recently as a result of, of COVID-19. And what's important here is what's always been important, which is how did they cope with it? Yeah. Not just how did it happen, but how are they coping with it? Because plaintiff jurors tend to kind of nurse their wounds and wallow in, in the depression, whereas defense jurors tend to get up quickly, dust themselves off, and move on. 
So you want to know how are they psychologically coping with it? What have they done? Um, and how is it going now in terms of their, their coping mechanism or coping strategies? Very, very important stuff. Uh, last point, George. When we started talking about nuclear verdicts a couple months ago, you know, we authored that, um, which I think is just a fantastic paper uh, for DRI that just got published in April and for the defense. We talk a lot about the um, lack of, I guess, sensitivity regarding um, finances and money and economics, um, particularly with today's jury pool. Um, you know, Dak Prescott in Dallas, uh, in your neighborhood, you know, he wants $40 million a year to throw a football and to take the Cowboys to an eight and eight season. Uh, <laughs> people see money. What very, a deal. Yeah. Yeah. What a I wish I could do that. Um, and then, you know, somebody on the weather channel is getting uh, $2 million a year to be correct half of the time. Um, I think people uh, see money very differently. And now you have the federal government, um, you know, throwing out, you know, these, these loans to businesses. And um, where do you kind of see how jurors um, perceive money? And you, do you see damages becoming even more? I mean, we talk about the nuclear verdict. Maybe there's something above the nuclear verdict that's going to come next. Yeah. Because of all this, that's like going from the A bomb to the H bomb, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. can can the damage can the nuclear? I, this is the crazy question. I'm gonna throw it right out, and this is totally unfair to you, and we haven't prepared for this. Can there be something beyond the nuclear verdict because of COVID nineteen? I, I don't know. No, but there can be more nuclear verdicts because nuclear verdicts, as it stands now, is not something you see every day. I mean, they they pop up every now and then, you know, but um, it, you know, it could very well be that they will become more prevalent. And not only that, but the punitive jurors could become more, a higher proportion of jurors. Right now, punitive jurors are not, you know, even 50%. They, they range from maybe 10 to 40% of a venue, depending on how bad it is. But, you know, you could very well see those, those proportions start to go up. So you could start to see more nuclear verdicts and more jurors who are have punitive dispositions and or dispositions of just, hey, we need to redistribute wealth. You know, we need to start taking money away from the rich people and giving it to the people that need it. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a that's a very good point. Uh, final, I keep saying final point, but uh, things keep popping in my head. How how would you characterize the importance? of this COVID-19 event, the importance of uh, mock jury and focus group research going forward, because I think this is, is such a huge event that um, if, if defendants particularly, because I know the plaintiff attorneys are going to keep doing this stuff and, and they do many more mock trials and, and jury research than the defense bar. Describe maybe the importance of doing such research going forward to tap into uh, jury attitudes and belief systems that arguably have been severely shaken from yeah. COVID. Well, the, the importance has always been there. 
Yeah. Um, you know, we we call people who don't do research flying blind into trial, and that's you know exactly what it is. Just if you want to subject yourselves to things that go bump in the night, nasty surprises, um, have at it. But we prefer to know what's coming. Yeah. The question of how are we going to work around COVID nineteen to construct and and carry out implement valid scientifically valid research is a question that's still under construction in other words we are still at the drawing board on that one yeah um we are there's the issue of online mock trials but um we we have serious reservations about those you know i just talked to a client the other day who said i don't want to do an online mock trial i don't want you know to have a juror that's playing with their dog you know while i'm presenting um and I said, my God, absolutely, you know. <laughs> I mean, the whole purpose of having scientific validity in your research is to simulate actual trial conditions. That's yeah. how you get scientific validity. And, of course, um, online mock trials are about as far away from that as you can get. So the question becomes, do you want no research or do you want bad research? And what we're trying to do is create a third option here. That's where we are now at the drawing board. We think we'll have something uh, soon, as far as a social distancing real mock trial. Yeah, we are. We are. We are definitely at the drawing board. Uh, but courtroom sciences, you and I and, and our staff are working very hard to uh, determine what's going to be the the right uh, the right pathway here to get some uh, both valid and reliable results going forward. Dr. George Becker, thank you so much for being on the show, and we will have you back again soon because uh, these problems are going to keep resurfacing. And I know that our clients and um, our, our, our colleagues are going to want more information. So th thank you very much. Very good. Thank you. Take care.